Hi, I'm Talissa. And I'm Rachel, and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme. Disclaimer, this podcast will contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Transatlantic Crime. Um, I'm sorry if you can hear just like shouting. My family are like, I'm at my mum's and they're having a roast. I can't at all. <laughs> like earlier, they had a full blown like screaming argument about wh- which house, what? which house our dog died in. And me and Ben were like, <laughs> it was Mercier Avenue. And they were like, no, it was Tollgate Road. And like my stepdad's like hurt his knee. So he's had like five codeine and like some Jack Daniels. So he's extremely loud. <laughs> <laughs> and like I was just sat around the table like looking at them shouting thinking I can never introduce Tom to you people like he would die <laughs> he would die <laughs> classic family dinner like just uh, it's so funny I think it's you completely relate like when you go to someone's house and their family is just civil and you yeah. have like, a nice dinner you're like this is not normal oh my this god is weird i remember meeting um <laughs> i remember meeting matt's mum, and i had to i was just like i was like scratching around for conversation whereas like my family just shout mm. over each other like <laughs> non-stop <laughs> it's so hard to get a word in like everyone's got like half finished stories like <laughs> yeah yeah uh no, everyone's he... trying to be louder than the other person literally just shouting over yeah um but like he hasn't met my family, but my mum keeps making too much roast. And then I'm like, Tom, do you want me to bring you around a roast? And he was, he's like, yes, obviously. So like, my mum's like, does Tom want a roast? Like, she never met him. Just giving him food. Oh, like, here's some leftovers. I know he's too scared. It's like a peace offering. I'm, I'm scared of them. And like, <laughs> and I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. I'm glad that um you're having a you had a great family dinner and normal, <laughs> completely normal. Completely normal screaming at each other over which house the dog died in. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Ben were like looking at each other like mouthing, Yeah, Mercier Avenue. It was Mercier <laughs> Avenue. And every time my stepdad caught us, he was going, It wasn't <laughs> It's amazing too when you have like a buddy who's like, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I remember I genuinely went like we were sat at the table and then um, my mum said something about my nan and then I was like I was nan's favourite and Ben was like no I was nan's favourite I was like no motherfucker (laughs) and then it was like a serious like (laughs) serious beef Uh, um, how was you went to see Bonnevere didn't you oh my gosh my one true love oh my beautiful Justin Vernon someday what a man, what a man. <laughs> Who was supporting? Yes, if you if you can see him live then, or if you can see them live, because mm-hmm. Bon Iver is just a band. It's I feel like I always relate it, like, it is Justin Vernon. But it basically is, though, isn't it? It's like not. He, it's a band. 
But I thought that he wrote, on his first album, I thought he wrote all the songs and then he got mm. a session band yeah. to like, play them at gigs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they switch it up sometimes mm. uh, with the band members, but I'm not completely sure. But what's important is that it's Justin Vernon and he's there and he is singing <laughs> you and saw he him. is playing. And I saw him. Yeah. Um, there was no supporting band. Oh, there that's was, even better. It was just him. It's all about me. Like, <laughs> he's too important. Yeah. And uh, they came out like a few minutes late. And um, as we were coming in, there were two different car accidents. And they looked almost exactly the same. Like, one was like a mile away from each other. And the car. The first car we passed and it was bad. It was like flipped on its side. There's glass everywhere. Hope they were okay. And then as we got to the venue, there was another car that had flipped almost exact, like same color. People same, were keen like, as position fuck to see of the car. <laughs> I know. Well, it was at the it the it was at the YouTube theater in LA, which is a, a brand new venue. And it's in the middle of the Coliseum, which is an older venue. It's been in L.A. for a long time. And SoFi Stadium, which is like a soccer stadium. So there were three different events going on. So traffic was just nuts. Yeah. uh, So, yeah, there was an accident. And then Justin Vernon came out and he was like, hey, Glad you guys made it. We tried to delay as much as we could because we heard there was an accident. And oh, what a lovely like, man! Of course you did. Oh, yeah, what a lovely guy. <laughs> so you were going to tell me so, your story about coming in and being were you creeped out after your gig? Oh no! So to our listeners, I was just telling Talissa how safe I feel in my neighborhood. I really like my neighborhood, except um, and <laughs> <laughs> except. Last night, I could not sleep. There were strange noises going on outside of my house all night, just like on and off. Like what kind just of Just like noises? things moving around. I don't know. And it was creeping <laughs> me out. Did you like eat loads of cheese or like had loads of coffee? <laughs> no, it, was, it wasn't my imagination. So I get up this morning. I let my dog out into the yard i i didn't even i like let him out and i came back inside and made coffee or whatever i come back out and my dog has like something bloody in mm, his mouth no. and he's chewing on it Ugh. and i realized i know i was like <laughs> don't come near me but come back inside and drop it don't do anything <laughs> I realized that the sounds all night was like some kind of animal that had killed another animal, and it must have been a coyote or something like that. Oh, and I hate was those eating guys. it in my yard. What? Yeah. What was it? Could you just not tell? It was just a I mashed up mess. There's, yes, oh. there's like some kind of weird bloody carcass in my yard, oh, and I'm too scared to go <laughs> deal with it. Oh, that always reminds me of like the Blair Witch Project where they go outside and there's just like yeah, a chammed yes. up bit of like meat on their fucking like, <laughs> Exactly. Porch. That's what it is. That's what it is. And my dog got into it and my stomach just turned. So it wasn't a serial killer or a murderer or oh, a robber outside my house last night. It was a coyote. Well, at least you aren't going fucking crazy. 
Yes, it definitely that was too. something. Have you yeah. ever um have you ever heard like foxes have sex? Yes. It's like when I lived in London, it was so annoying. <laughs> I it swear like we've... babies dying. It's like re <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I swear we've mentioned this Honestly. before. But like I work basically Tom stayed at mine on Friday and he always brings his dog yeah. with him, which is a pug called Luna. And like Aww. she is like quite vocal like she's very barky whereas like arlo doesn't bark ever unless it's the door mm. and um mm-hmm. she'll bark at anything like she barks at like a bit of rustling like <laughs> she'll bark at like dogs yeah. on the tv like <laughs> particularly doesn't like horses Aww. on the tv <laughs> i was like what's her fucking beef and tom was like anything with eyes doesn't like stuff with eyes on the tv <laughs> i was like really like don't look at me <laughs> don't look at me <laughs> Like slims it down and to what she's not angry at. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and um yeah, I basically like woke up in the middle of the night to the dog barking and I was like, Oh, what is your beef? And then like all I heard was like <laughs> and I was like, Fair enough, that's pretty annoying. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> she was like going mad at these foxes so fucking. Annoying. Yeah. So oh, man. Yeah, woke me up. <laughs> it was annoying. Yeah. Um there's something else that I wanted to talk about. Go on. Really quick. Actually, a couple of things. Yeah. So we got, we got a really nice review on Apple iTunes. Aww. Um, I'm mentioning it because we asked for reviews, and I'm really mm-hmm. thankful that somebody did that. Yeah. Um, Leslie Kreshmar, thank you for leaving an awesome review. We love you so much. We do. And anyone else who hasn't left a review, please rate and review us on Apple iTunes because it really helps our visibility. It does. And we'll say your name, sure. So Yes. <laughs> free shout out. <laughs> well, they yeah. left it. They they left the review saying warmest regards, Leslie. So thank Aww. you, Leslie. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs> apparently i was really drunk on the phone um the other night and i don't remember it but i said to tom okay okay now like kind regards bye (laughs) (laughs) i love signing off with stuff like that yes (laughs) warmest wishes all the best (laughs) all the best atb all the best (laughs) (laughs) okay so uh, a little bit of true crime news. Oh, there's lots of Because there. we've been talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Brian Laundrie is dead. They found his remains. Yeah. And they found like skeletal remains because they had to, well, they had to identify him through his um, dental records. Dental. Yeah. Which makes me think that he was in bad shape. Yes. Uh, so I was place, reading right? about it. Yeah, the article, so I just copied this from CNN. It said, his remains were found in an area of the Carlton Reserve, a vast 25,000-acre nature preserve. That area had previously been underwater, but recently dried out due to clearer weather. So it was really bad weather, even for the dogs and the investigators trying to search for him like they were dealing with bad weather and i think it just cleared up Mm -hmm. and they said that the dogs had gone over that area already but they came back and then they found him 
yeah, I think it was just like quite swampy and wet, and um, you can't like step on it, right? You can't like, right? Yeah, they can't. Exactly. They can't like get on it and have a good sniff. Yeah, uh, and they also said that th- uh, the article said survival experts and you know people who are good at living in the woods were like this would be really hard to survive from if you were a normal like survivalist so i think it was an accident i don't think that he killed himself yes okay what you think he was going to try and hide out that's my theory like he didn't have the minerals to actually kill himself i think so yeah yeah I kind of see what you're saying, like, and he was like a massive fanny from day one, wasn't he? Like he, yeah, exactly. Ran away to his parents, then he snuck off. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't have like the balls to actually kill himself. I and he just agree, thought and he could get away with it, yeah. and it went pear shaped. Yeah, exactly. I think he probably thought that he could live in the woods for however long and Rachel are you trying to tell me going. that a white man had an inflated self of sense <laughs> <laughs> had an inflated s- sense of self esteem <laughs> thought he could do anything thought he could be fucking bad shocking <laughs> yeah what a cut yeah so yeah that's uh, that news um, do you have any true crime news um, Robert Durst is in hospital with COVID and yes. he's been charged with Kathy Durst's murder. Yes. So Susan Berman. So he'll probably go to prison. I, I think he'll be straight back like as soon as he's out of, if he, if he, if he gets over COVID. Yes. He's pretty yeah. old. He's like 70 something now. Yeah, and as we mentioned before, he looks like the Crypt Keeper, so it's not like he looks like a healthy man. (laughs) The Crypt Keeper. (laughs) (laughs) Cracking reference, that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was going to say Nosferatu or like Mr. Burns, but yeah. All of those. He's all that. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look like, he doesn't look strong as an ox, does he? But no, he, no maybe he doesn't. I mean, he's escaped, like, justice for so fucking long. And he's really fucking... Yeah. He's still really rich, I guess. He's still got a trust. Like, even though he... His pa- his dad... Both his parents are dead. And mm-hmm. his brother, like, hired a bodyguard so that he can't kill him. Yeah, Robert Durst's brother hired a bodyguard. I didn't know that. Yeah, because wow. I started re-watching The Jinx the other day because Tom is trying to be supportive and be like, oh, here's some true crime news. Like, he was like, oh, did you yeah. know that Robert... De-? And I was like, of course, actually, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> he told me that he'd been charged with Susan Berman... Not Susan Berman. Um, Kathy Durst's murder. Right. Yeah. Because Susan yeah. Berman is his friend who he got convicted of her murder. Yeah. And Kathy yeah. is the one they could never pin on him, his wife. Um, right. Yeah, and so... Uh, I was like, do you want to just watch the Jinx? Because it's amazing. And then you'll <laughs> And it'll properly... explain everything. Yeah, you'll properly know the story. And like, we were watching it. And like, Tom is the sort of person that looks on his phone a lot when you're watching TV. He was gripped. Mm. <laughs> so like, oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he was really Good. into it. Yeah, and on there, his brother is 
at some sort of deposition and he's saying like oh so you hired a bodyguard to protect you from robert durst and he's like yeah like he's quite and then in another interview they say to robert durst is it true that your uh, brother hired a bodyguard and he's like yeah and he's like and why do you think that is and robert durst goes because he's a pussy (laughs) oh my god (laughs) Such a brother thing to I say, know. too. Such a brother thing to say because he's a pussy. <laughs> it's like this old man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a funny moment. That's amazing. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's that's a little bit of true crime news that he has COVID, so we'll see if he survives. If he does, I'll be fucking shocked, man. He's as old as the sea. Right? <laughs> yeah. But again, there's just somebody like escaping justice, like yet again. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, exactly. He's had a lovely life, billionaire, like he could he can just buy any like they say in the in the jinx as well, he's like, um, so your bond is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and uh he goes, mm-hmm. Okay. And they're like, Do you have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? And apparently yeah. he just goes, Not on me. Like yeah, right. So smug. Like oh, I probably have half that in my pocket right now, but yeah, and like when I can he got, get the rest. And like he gets caught for stealing a sandwich. Like he skips bail, and then he gets caught for stealing a yeah. hoagie. And then like yeah, what the fuck is the difference <laughs> between a hoagie and a sandwich? Uh, sandwich is like regular bread. A hoagie is like a baguette or a cob. Bread. Kind kind <laughs> like of like a bap. Like. <laughs> like a baguette kind of okay. yeah yeah um and they find him and he's got 580 dollars in his wallet and thirty four thousand uh, dollars in his car in cash and he's stealing a sandwich <gasps> like i forgot all the Dude, details just grab two bills I know. why because he's like a psycho and he just needs the thrill of like stealing something and getting away yeah. with it like getting away with stuff is what he gets off on. Um, I'm just looking up what is the difference between a <laughs> hoagie and a sandwich. We were saying to uh, Carly the other day about like kisses, like how on messages Americans don't put kiss kiss. Like, yeah, you know, you put they don't. E- like English people put xx or xxx yes. at the end of their thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, Americans don't do that. And Carly was like, how do you know if you're mad at someone? <laughs> <laughs> I love that because when I moved back to the states, I did I still did that to all my not all of them, but like a lot of the people I was texting in America. Yeah. And nobody was doing it back and I was like, mm, "Maybe I should stop Angry doing this. Me. It's a little bit weird, I'm sure." <laughs> but I love it. Like it is like a an extra kind of punctuation to show how you're feeling. It's so. cute. I think it's yeah, nice. Yeah, people should do it more. Yeah. yeah. Get on it, America. Yeah. <laughs> Follow me into the new world of kisses. <laughs> XXX. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, we should do uh, some. Okay, wait. A sandwich. Oh. Okay, I was right. A okay. sandwich is a snack formed of various ingredients between <laughs> two slices of bread, while a hoagie <laughs> is a sandwich made on a usually soft, long Italian roll. That's so. a that's like a sub a subway, yeah yeah. Yes. I think a baguette's like crusty, whereas a sub yeah. is soft. 
We would call uh, that. We would call go. that in England. You wouldn't call that a hoagie. You call that like a roll. You wouldn't call it a yeah. baguette either because a baguette is crusty. You would call it right a soft roll. <laughs> bread, <laughs> bread name. So like when welcome to bread when you names. go to Subway though. <laughs> yeah. When you go to Subway in England, and I used to work, that's where I used to work in Subway in England. I can't remember. You just call it a sub, I guess. Yeah, but you're only calling it a sub because you're in Subway. Like, that isn't like the general. (laughs) Like, you wouldn't go into, like, I don't know, a wimpy or a regular um, burger establishment and be like, can I have a quarter pounder with cheese or a Big Mac? Like, that's the name of it just because it's there. So I'm I'm only calling a Subway a sub. (laughs) Because right, that's what they're making You're me call Subway. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to order it. Can I have a six inch piece the brand. of bread, soft roll? <laughs> I'd be like, just call it a sub, man. Yeah, uh, I'll call it what I want. Oh, I was, I was on the phone to my dad the other day, and he was like, "I'm going to get a um a fish burger from McDonald's." He was like, "I I refuse to call it a filet fish." I was like, "Honestly, you pull up to the driveway, and they're just like the drive through, and they're just like this guy." <laughs> I refuse oh, to call like that's the guy. hill you want to die on, is it, Brian? Yeah, the filet fish hill. Oh man, I have a fish burger, please. Oh fuck off. Yes. <laughs> Let's get into some true crime, some actual true crime. Let's. You are first. Um, okay, so this week, what is the theme? I don't have the theme name up. <clears throat> uh, the theme up. is the killer fled. Yes. Did you read that? Okay. Is that what yours is about? <laughs> it is. It is. Alright. <laughs> no, I just couldn't remember the exact wording. Okay. Okay, so I'm just gonna get straight into it. It's short, it's kinda brutal, so I hope yours Ooh. is a little bit lighter. Uh, more boring, probably. <laughs> okay. Mine's mine's all about technicalities, okay. but yeah, go on. Also, I have no background on anyone in this story. Like, I don't know when they were born or anything like that. I just, so I just want to brief you. I've done next to zero work on this. <laughs> I have. I have. It's There's just all I'm of busy. the we're busy. details. Like, we're some, busy. Sometimes I really put the work in and other times I'm like, copy, paste, fuck you. I'm reading it out. Like, I'm so yeah. busy. <laughs> Well, also, we're recording two episodes today, so yeah. that can always kind of um, mash things up. But no, that's not it. I'm not but it just excluding wasn't that stuff because it just wasn't there. All the okay. details was what I'm about to tell you. So I don't care. You're talking to me um, like I care. <laughs> like I'm your teacher and I'm going to fucking downgrade you. Yeah. Listen, don't don't give me a C minus. I need an A. <laughs> Hold on, Tito's growling at something. Maybe it's maybe the coyote's back. I'm don't I'm gonna Tito. Google a coyote. I don't know what the one actually looks like. They look like skinny dogs. They look horrible. No, I mean little baby coyotes look really cute. They just look like skinny, mean dogs. Mm, don't know if I like the sound um, of that. Kind of pointy. Okay. Yeah, like half dog, half wolf, but skinny. Maybe that's what they are. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Back to the story. Okay. <laughs> I'm going down a coyote hole later. <laughs> yeah. Join me. <laughs> do it. And while you do, look up little dogs coyote jackets, which I think yes, I've shown you, you before. Yes, you have. You have. Yeah. 
They look like neon. Like Hellraiser. Dogs from a gang in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta protect those little babies. Yeah, you do, because they do snatch them on your, uh, if you go on a hike, then they'll jump out and take your dog. No. Okay. Back in 2017, an unnamed woman in Sumner County, Tennessee, smelled smoke under her trailer home. A 22-year-old man named Michael Cummins had placed trash under her trailer right under the spot where her bedroom was and then lit it on fire. When the woman ran outside of her trailer to get away, Michael was standing there waiting for her. Oh, God. He punched her with his fist and with a revolver. The woman was able to get away and call police. It began raining and the fire had gone out by the time the police arrived. As they took him away, Cummins yelled, I will kill you, bitch. I will kill you. You are dead. Um, Did a pretty shitty so, job of it, try- considering she was right there. Yeah. And you had a yeah. gun. <laughs> yes. Well, this story is about him and it gets a lot worse, but this is kind of the precursor to everything. One, the woman didn't, on any news article, she didn't want to be named. She was like 60 years old. Mm. Um, didn't want to be named. They didn't say like what triggered all of this, what the dispute was about, yeah, if, if anything. This is a small town. There's like two thousand people, so okay. Uh, not probably very everyone big. knows everyone. Probably just cut in front of him at the yes. post office. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a trailer. It's like trailer park town. So you're right. Like everyone's kind of enmeshed with each other. At his trial, Cummins' arson charge carried a penalty of 8 to 12 years. The judge gave Cummins 10 years. He also received 6 years on the assault charge, which he was to serve concurrently. Then, so that was, uh, he had his trial in 2018. In January of 2019, after about 15 months behind bars, Cummins was released on probation for the remainder of his sentence. Cummins had been in trouble with the law since he was a teenager. He had a protective order against him in 2012, which he had violated, and he was arrested for domestic violence after throwing things at his aunt in 2013. In 2017, before the arson and assault on the older woman, he was arrested after stealing his mother's purse and medication and assaulting his grandmother who tried to hide the purse. Oh, my God. Uh, He was also charged with theft for stealing a white broad breasted turkey and game camera from a neighbor's house. When asked what he did with the turkey, he said he ate it. So (laughs) He stole a live turkey. (laughs) Or he stole a dead turkey. I think he stole a live turkey. I don't think he ate that. Unless they had just... just let that fucker go. (laughs) Right. Or unless no, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like he's compassionate at all. Uh, but those are those are big uh, fuckers turkeys. They're big. I know. I couldn't pick. They're one up. huge, <laughs> <laughs> and they're really noisy. <laughs> yes, they're scary too. Like I wouldn't want to get pecked by one of those. <laughs> its neck is so long. Like you could yeah. even like just hold it by the body. It's got like a swan no. neck. No. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Also relevant because this next month we have Thanksgiving, so 
turkey. If anyone else has any um, opinions on <laughs> they think they could take yeah. on a turkey, then let us know. Well, also, I'm like, tapping out on this uh, one. That they reminds me of. <laughs> they are. It reminds me of in school every November before Thanksgiving, you do that thing where you put your hand on a piece of paper and you trace <laughs> the fingers and you color it to look like a turkey. So and it does, um, it really does look like a turkey. Yeah, <laughs> the human but hand I, is the like, perfect you guys... turkey base. <laughs> <laughs> it is the thumb is the neck. That long neck. And but the look rest how big the, the palm the is feathers. in comparison to the rest of it. That's, that's uh, <laughs> what's it called? That's like, what do they call it when you measure something? And it's like, that's to scale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a turkey it is, is girthy in the body. So accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but you guys don't do that over there. Like, we do that for Thanksgiving in school every year. No. We, we would, oh, do you know what we do? We do, um, you you crayon like loads of colors and then you do black mm -hmm. crayon over it and then you scratch mm -hmm. it out to make fireworks and that's what we do for fireworks oh tonight. oh yeah. i never heard that before oh yeah that's we'll do fun. it when i'm with you it's really good fun wholesome <laughs> <laughs> okay so he was released this time despite his 120 months in jail like for his that he was set for citing, for setting a fire and assault on the woman. After 15 months, Cummins's attorney was able to get him a plea deal released on conditions that he do certain things that included getting mental help. Okay. Clearly with his past, like his attorney just kept saying like, he doesn't need to be in jail. He needs rehabilitation and mental help, which was true, but doesn't sound like, that's what he was released back into. It feels like that sort of shutting the stable door after the horse is bolted. Like it feels like he needed that ten yes. years ago. Like rather than yes, now he just sees this as like woohoo, I'm free again. Right. And like right. set putting shit under someone's house and setting it on fire and then punching him in the face with a gun and then screaming, "I'm gonna fucking An kill old you!" Lady. Is that not yeah. attempted murder? Like right. I kind yeah. of feel that's edging onto attempted murder. Rather than just yeah. assault. Oh, Definitely. Awesome. I think it was one of those cases too where it was like, oh, to me, it was, oh, boys will be boys. Oh, let yeah, him out. You know, let him old, get yeah. some help. That kind of thing. He's a young mm. guy. He could be re rehabilitated. Life ahead of him to ruin other people's lives yeah. with. And then also the other thing was that this is a small, very small town they interviewed that woman when he had gotten out of jail and after he had done what he was about to do, they interviewed her and she was like, he shouldn't have been let out. And this is this kind of town and community. It's not a place where you would get mental help. It's not like there there aren't facilities or people really caring to check in on your mental health. So <clears throat> no, uh, they just let him free, basically. Okay, great. Um, he was scheduled to remain on probation until 2027. Until a year later, in April of 2019, Cummins failed to show up for his mental health check-in with his probation officer. Then, on April 17, 2019, the fire department received a call at 7.18 p.m. for a possible Grasswoods fire. 
While on their way, dispatch advised that this could be a cabin explosion in the woods and that the man who lived in the cabin had not been seen. When crews arrived, they found what appeared to be a medium-sized pile on, uh, on fire with some personal belongings on fire, but it was way down in a valley and crews had a hard time making an advancement on the pile. It took several hours for them to put, on, put out the fire, and afterwards they attempted to look for the owner of the home, who was James Fox Dunn Jr. Mm -hmm. um, he lived alone. He was 63 years old. He was from uh, Nashville. He was found deceased, decapitated, and lying in a wooded area not far from his home. Holy hell. Police did not... Yeah. Police did not release this investigation to the public. No, barely anyone knew about it because it was so rural and um, they just thought it was a fire. They also did not immediately connect Cummins to Dunn's murder. They could tell that he was murdered. Also, there were some notes that said, like, he wasn't decapitated by a person. It might have just been an animal in the woods that did okay. that to him. Hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, however, they were putting together another warrant for uh, Cummins's arrest for failing to show up for his mental health checkup. They were kind of like, he might be involved with this because he lives nearby, but they weren't 100% sure. So they mm -hmm. were putting together a warrant to get him and question him um, because also there was arson involved and that's kind of his MO. He's like the one fire starter in the village. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Ten days later, okay, this is where it starts to get pretty gruesome. Ten days later, on April 27th, police received a multitude of calls regarding the Cummins family in multiple locations. A family member called police after finding four bodies outside of their home, and the TBI, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, quickly announced investigators had found a fifth at a nearby home. The next day, the Bureau said it had found two more bodies at the first house. So it was so gruesome that they couldn't tell. They, they didn't even know how many bodies there were at first. Ugh. So those that were killed, mainly from blunt force trauma, included David and Clara Cummins, who was Michael Cummins' parents, Charlie Hosale, Cummins' uncle, Rachel Don McLaughlin, P., Charlie Hosale's girlfriend, 12-year-old Sapphire McLaughlin, P., Rachel's daughter, and Marsha Elizabeth Knuckles, uh, Rachel's mother. Cummins's, Michael Cummins' grandmother, Mary Sue Hosale, was found in the home as well, but she was alive and she was quickly rushed to the hospital where oh, she shit. survived. Oh, good for grandma. Yeah. yeah, so she witnessed it. <gasps> witnessed everything, cool. which is horrible. Police also learned of a second crime scene at a home nearby. There they found the seventh victim, Shirley Jesus. B. Furl. Yeah, dead inside and her vehicle was taken. Cummins drove the stolen vehicle around town where witnesses saw him. He had a white shirt on with blood stains, and when he was asked about it, he told the witnesses that they were chocolate stains. Uh, quite a difference. Yes. 
Uh, also, Dude, like that story how, only, how are you going to get away with that? That story only works if you shit yourself. Take it from me. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, that doesn't smell like chocolate. <laughs> Don't come any nearer. <laughs> Just trust me. Yeah. It is. It is. I'm telling you it is. Now I'm going to take my leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to go now. Bye. Uh... So, eventually, finding out that police had named him as a suspect, Cummins abandoned the stolen car outside of a wooded area and ran into the woods. A search followed after finding the car, and TBI found Cummins from aircraft in a creek bed about a mile from the home, from the home that, that they found all the bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he was hiding in the creek. More than a dozen officers from the county's joint SWAT team went to that location there as the police quartered him as he was hiding in the creek he threatened to kill himself instead as things escalated an officer shot him uh he sustained non-life-threatening injuries and was immediately Um. taken to the hospital where he underwent surgery went for the old thigh shot did they probably yeah Mm. Uh, and I don't know if he had like a gun with him because all of the murders were done with some kind of heavy object that they were never able to figure out what. Yeah, like it was what you're from. gonna kill yourself with. Yeah, exactly. So Michael Cummins was charged with six counts of first degree murder, one count of criminal homicide, and one count of attempt to commit first degree murder. Uh, that was his grandma. Cummins is currently in maximum security prison, where as of July of 2021, this past year, he's awaiting his trial because this all happened in 2019. So right before the pandemic hit. So I'm sure that delayed oh my everything. God. Yeah. He's wiped out his like entire family. Pretty much. Except for his grandma. He um, seems like a fucking homo. Like he's just literally a homicidal maniac. Yeah, yeah. Like, what um, there's a little off? bit. I I think he probably just has mental issues that yeah. he needed men meds for and rehabilitation, and he didn't get it. Jeez, see, this is why. Always take your meds. Always go to the doctor. Yes. To yes. Be fair, if I hadn't done that, I could have killed six people by now. <laughs> legit <laughs> i'm sure not i don't think you have that in you talissa it's a lot of work i really don't <laughs> it's a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work. like no do it tomorrow <laughs> um, no not not anymore not now the new meds are kicked in um <laughs> fine and dandy yeah uh so he's awaiting trial his attorneys are asking for three separate trials under an insanity plea. I mean, what else? What else uh, could he be in? Like, uh, as a, what else you could know, they plea? As a third-hand story hearer, I've gone, he must be mental. There is yeah. no way <laughs> he is of right mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly what his attorneys are saying. Um, yeah. But also, they're the same ones that fought for him to get out and get mental help in the first place so mm, i wouldn't i wouldn't trust them if they're the same ones from before uh, i will never understand how people fight for like 
pieces of shit to be free. I just will never get it. Do you get more money from the state? Like, how does that work? Surely I have no idea. Can't. What is the like, point? Right. Yeah, I. We should try and get a like a criminal defense lawyer on sometime because definitely I have questions. Yes, but I think, I'll start looking around. Yeah, but I think like I read. I've told this story before. I think, but I've read a book, and it was written by John Wayne Gacy's defense lawyers. And mm. their answer is always, everybody deserves a fair trial. Doesn't matter who it is or what they've done. They deserve a fair trial. And like by upkeeping that um, sentiment, you, that's what props up democracy. So yeah. if you, you know, if all of a sudden you turn it into an emotional and thing, then then we lose our ability to uh fairly try anyone that's true and if if the system worked and he got out from his arson and assault on that woman and he did go into like a rehabilitation facility or you know he saw a psych a therapist every week multiple times and got proper medication and was looked after then maybe this wouldn't have happened but because he was just released and nobody bothered really to follow up with him then that's where it failed i think but also like maybe it would have happened and some people are just destined to bash six members of yeah, the family's head in with a blunt object like that's just right. what he was gonna do no matter what yeah. happened. And it was going to happen anytime he was free at some point. Yeah. like, And you can't lock people up for what they might do. Yeah. Unfortunately. That's true. <laughs> his grandma is expected to testify against him <gasps> at his trial. Uh, he is considered homicidal and suicidal where he often tries to set fires in his cell and attacks the inmate officers. Uh, he's in maximum state maximum security prison the home where six of the victims were found dead was one of the most complex and gruesome crime scenes authorities had ever encountered in tennessee it is considered the deadliest homicide event in ten tennessee in at least 20 years which i'd like to know what happened 20 years ago i was ago just about to say what to happened be. 20 years ago <laughs> yeah I'm going to look into that for sure. Fuck. So that's it. That's the story of Michael Cummins uh, and how he ran from police. Great story, mate. Um, definitely going to like, like, I feel like during COVID loads of shit happened and the true crime radar was a bit down because yes. everyone was so busy and like not many trials were happening. Um, right. And obviously right. everyone was like preoccupied, but I feel like crimes were still happening. We just didn't hear about them that much. So yeah, um, yeah. I bet there's some more that have happened that were interesting and weird and stuff. Definitely, yeah, yeah. That might be a theme. Well, maybe. also there was the there was the George Floyd, what happened huge. there, and that kind of yeah, that was a big deal, and that was in the news a lot. So that kind of overshadowed a lot of other crime that was going on too. I'm sure. Yeah, it happens all the time. It's like when um when 9-11 happened like any any mm. missing people or any crimes around that time like just couldn't garner any 
uh, space yeah. in the newspapers because yeah. they were like, but who fucking cares, basically. Right. Um, right. Yeah, so something that I've been following um, in the news is my story. Um, mm. I was gonna do, uh, I was gonna do like a like a really in depth true crime story, but then when I like sometimes I'll just Google the theme of our uh, yeah me too. Just see what comes up, like <laughs> see what see. comes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and I don't know if you had much coverage about it over in the US, but in the UK. It was a huge story about um, the murder of Harry Dunn. Mm, maybe. Well, wouldn't say If you murder, start getting into it, killing. then I might might have heard of it. But yeah. I'd no. be interested. I'm really interested to hear your side of it and what okay. the news coverage your side, because over here it's pretty big. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Harry Dunn was 19 years old and he lived in a small village called Charlton near Banbury in Oxfordshire. So Oxfordshire mm-hmm. is in the middle of the country. It's below Birmingham, but it's above Bristol. But it's like bang in the center. So it's like Oxford. He had a twin and three other brothers and sisters. Um, so he Aww. was really like outgoing and confident. Like I think when you have yeah. lots of brothers and sisters, you ha- like I say, you just have to be the loudest. Yeah. Or you're the quietest. Like or me. you're the quietest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when he was seven, he started riding motorbikes, um, like little little like motocross bikes and stuff with his grandpa and yeah. his stepdad. Um, and apparently he was a really free spirit. And as soon as he got a job, he spent all his wages on fuel for his bike. And he just loved to explore the countryside around his house. Aww, yeah, so that nice sounds part, fun. Nice part of the world around there as well, I'll say. Um, yeah. On the 27th of August, 2019, he's um, 19 years old. And he's riding his motorcycle on the B4031 road. So it's a B road, which means that it's Mm. small road, like country road. If it's got an M in front of it, it means it's a motorway. So it'll have like three lanes. If it's an A road, it's got two lanes. And if it's a B road, it's really small. That's just like the UK road, explaining UK roads to you. Um, So Yeah. yeah, so he was driving down that road and he was 400 meters away from an exit when he was struck by a volvo xc90 car so driving the car was a woman called anne Sekoulis, and she was the wife of a cia operative working at the united states air force mm. um listening station at raf crowton so mm-hmm. when police arrived at the scene they concluded that anne had been driving on the wrong side of the road when she exited the base oh shit yeah uh easy to do if you're an american i guess because we drive on yeah. opposite sides of the road but um ambulance was called and it arrived 43 minutes after the collision which is quite a long time oh no um yeah, and this was is. this was because the accident was categorized as a category two which meant they thought that harry had broken bones but the injuries weren't life-threatening so oh whoever like was reporting it to them made it seem prob- maybe less than less serious than it was. So, okay. however, when Harry arrived at the hospital, the major trauma centre of John Radcliffe Hospital, he was pronounced dead. So mm. on the 17th of September, 2019, the family had a funeral for him at the Oxfordshire Crematorium. 
So after this, an investigation by the Oxfordshire police concluded through CCTV that Anne was definitely driving on the wrong side of the road. Like she's been caught on CCTV. No way she can deny it. So okay, when she was interviewed by was the police... Was she trying to? Uh, no. So she admitted that it was the case that she was driving okay. on the other side of the road. And she cooperated yeah. fully with the police. Um, she was breathalyzed mm-hmm. at the scene and she wasn't over the drink drive limit. And she'd only been in the UK for three weeks. Um, okay. So back in the US, she was a native of the state of Virginia. And in mm-hmm. 2006, she had a driving infraction for failing to pay full time and attention. To be fair, I've had okay. one of those. <laughs> yeah. I think every, if you drive every single day of your life, yeah. then that's bound to happen at some point. Do you ever do that thing where you're driving and you just kind of zone out and then you come back and you're like, oh, I'm driving? Yeah. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Too much, baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or like I'll I'll literally like fucking fiddle with the radio or a CD or something, and I'll be like, "Whoa, I'm driving!" <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's because yeah, like, I've been driving since I was like 19, so I just it's really yeah, you're used to it. Like, right? I was trying to teach Carly how to drive in my car, and like I was like, "So it's accelerator, brake, cl- oh no, wait, it's the other way around." She was like, "How the fuck do you drive?" And I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> when it when it starts to be like second nature you don't think about it anymore you're just like oh i guess that's the break <laughs> it's honestly it's like breathing like you just do it like, yeah you just blink right like, it's, yeah like i don't have to i don't think like oh shit like i'm going up a hill i better put it in a lower gear like i just my hand just does right. it so you just do it yeah yeah um so anyway during um their interview with Anne. She mentioned that she might have diplomatic immunity because her husband's job mm. at Northamptonshire, sorry, because of her husband's job. So he was a CIA agent. So um, mm-hmm. later that day, the police applied for an immunity waiver. So basically, they were trying to say to the US embassy, she has said that she is uh, immune to these charges. And we want you okay. to say that she isn't because mm. she's done something wrong. So anyway, they put in an application for that. And then on the 14th of September, there's a British diplomat called Neil Holland. And he sent a text to a US official saying, it's it's obviously not us, sorry. It's obviously not us approving of their departure, but the right. US hasn't explicitly waived immunity so I think you should feel able to put them on the next flight out. So mm. he's basically saying, I'm not saying they can go, but yeah, the I'm not not saying yeah, like nobody said she can't. So right, if you want to go, then go. So on the sixth, 60- that's horrible for his family that someone's just like, eh, like immunity like diplomatic immunity because your husband's a cia agent like that's yeah. not a get out of jail free card you no, killed a it guy shouldn't be at all right um you sh- definitely shouldn't fuck off like no so on the 16th of september the foreign and commonwealth office informed the police that the waiver had been declined and that Anne had left the uk on a u.s air force private plane from the airbase at Mildenhall. Okay. So she hasn't gone mm. through 
customs and with a passport because there might be some sort of like stop on her passport saying like don't let her leave the country yeah. she's like so she's like really she snuck on a around, private jet properly yeah. snuck about um right so when Anne arrived in the USA she requested that she be interviewed under caution herself and then on mm-hmm. October the 31st the American police confirmed that they'd handed their file to the UK it later came to light that the UK police had been flown to the USA to accept the file. And then this was criticised by Harry Dunn's mother, saying she felt no closer to an answer and that she was left in limbo. So that's mm. a bit of a like, uh, a bit of a sneaky one by the US as well. Yeah. Being like, come on, we'll fly you out here. Like physically right. take it in your hand so that you cannot say you yeah. never got it. Like, right. So that happened and nobody was happy about and like nobody was happy about that mm-hmm. and then the u.s embassy insisted that anne had diplomatic immunity as the wife of a u.s agent working in the uk the Washington, yeah like the washington examiner reported that jonathan sekoulas which is her husband did not work mm-hmm. for the national security agent agency and that the Sekoulis family lived in northern virginia in the area of central intelligence agency langley headquarters so that they just lived near the CIA. Like, he wasn't a CIA agent. Why was he at the embassy in the UK? He must have done something for the US Army. Because that's right. a US Army Air Force base. Yeah. But she said to the police, oh, my husband's a CIA agent, so I'm out of here. Oh, okay. And then the Washington yeah. examiner were like, no, he isn't. <laughs> so... <laughs> Dunn's parents employed two lawyers who were specialists on diplomatic community, Mark Stevens and Jeffrey Robertson. They advised that Mm. Anne was not entitled to diplomatic community because her husband was not listed as a diplomat. So they're saying it doesn't apply to CIA agents, it just applies to diplomats. So basically, I think she knew that nobody really knew what was going on. So she went, yeah. oh, my husband's in the CIA. Like, I can get out and just like left. She just talked her way out of it. Yeah. yeah basically. Um, they also said diplomatic immunity no longer applied upon Sekula's return to her home country. Therefore, Dunn's parents could take civil action in the US. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the Foreign Secretary, Dominic Rabb, also stated that diplomatic immunity no longer applied. So he's like, yeah, I agree. So Harry's parents travelled to the US to fight for a change and get Anne returned to the UK. So on the 10th of October 2019, Donald Trump was the president. Boo. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) was was to appear at a press conference. So a photographer managed to get a picture of his notes. And they asserted that if he was asked about the case, he would reply that Anne would not be returned to the UK despite Dominic Rabb and the Prime Minister boris johnson publicly I remember speaking this out part. Yeah, yeah and making a call out to the president so boris johnson was like i'm asking you nicely to send her back yeah and dominic yeah. Raab, who is the foreign secretary was like i am also saying this is bullshit send her back but he'd already written down on a bit of paper that's not gonna happen mm-hmm. so in response dunn's mother said that the position of the u.s was beyond any realm of human thinking adding I'm just disgusted. I don't see the point in Boris Johnson talking to President Trump or President Trump even taking a call from Boris Johnson if he'd already made his decision that if he were to be asked, the answer was already going to be no. Yeah. 
So on the 15th of October, Dunn's parents visited the White House um, to meet with a senior official. Trump told them that Sekoulos was waiting in the next room to meet them. And their lawyer said, reject that because, and your official statement should be because it's too soon in in like yeah. uh, quotation marks. Quotes. And that if, yeah. if they were going to talk to her, they wanted to talk to her on British soil, mm-hmm. knowing that if she came back, she would be charged. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. But they're saying, yeah. if you want to talk to us, you can talk to us in England. Okay. So they were in the next room from her and they still said no, which is... How hard would that yeah. be to not just burst through the door and smack Punch her, in, her the in the face, face. Yeah. and walk out? <laughs> yep. So this is this is Trump. Uh, like this is a Trump classic. Trump called his meeting with the Dunn family beautiful in a certain way. He also said oh. driving on the wrong side of the road happens to a lot of people because they go to Europe and the roads are opposite. Shut up. <laughs> he actually said that. Right now. No fucking Whoopsie. Sh- are they? I didn't. Whoopsie. I'll start driving on the wrong side. You fucking cock. Yeah. <laughs> the Dunn's family spokesperson um, reported that the White House meeting ended with the president saying to the secretary of the treasury, Stephen Nuchin, they he told them that, that Stephen was standing by ready to write a check. AKA, okay. I'll pay you off. Please leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is also, I'm sure, a thousand percent like a Trump thing to do, too. Exactly. So Trump probably backed that as well. Yeah, like if you kill someone, you can just pay the family. It's not a big deal. Yeah, gross. In his world, that is an okay conclusion. Money. Yeah. Uh, On the 15th of October 2019, so it's later on that day, the Dunn family announced their intention to start a judicial review into the advice given by the uh, FCO, which is the Foreign Something Office here, to the police regarding the diplomatic immunity of Anne Sekoulis. And they also set up a crowd justice webpage, which is like where you say, can you please digitally sign this petition? And um, sure, it will get yeah. debated in Parliament. So yeah. three days later, Dunn's parents said that they expected the UK to charge Anne Sekoulis with their son's death. Other things that also happened around it were uh, the UK government asked the police to delay informing Dunn's family that Anne had left the country. They only found out she'd left the UK a week later on the 23rd of September. What? So the government were covering wow. it up. And then on the yeah. 25th of November, Dunn's father, together with a group of more than 50 others, were prevented by staff from entering an event where Dominic Rabb was speaking to the public at a local church and they cited it was for fire safety reasons. I think it was for Dominic Rabb yeah, safety sure. reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were about to get fucking medieval on your ass. Right. So they submitted their judicial review on the 25th of November and they stated that UK-US secret treaties have been disclosed but the documents didn't cover immunity for family members. So they read like the treaties between the US and the UK but none of that said like yeah if you're in the CIA your mum can kill someone and piss off right like, <laughs> that's still sketchy though that like if you're you in the CIA and you do something yeah you have immunity possibly i assume that it's meant to be in your line of duty sure yeah yeah if you 
if they didn't give you immunity, nobody would ever come here and carry out fucking secret missions or whatever because they they right. wouldn't be legally covered if they, you know, got found out. But um, yeah. In December, Dunn's parents announced that they were going to file a civil lawsuit in Virginia um, in the hope of making Anne come back to England and turn herself in. The family's mm-hmm. lawyer planned to rely on English common law dating back to 1774, which states that even through the offence, even though the offence may have been committed in one country, the accused can face the charge in another. So... Mm-hmm. In January 2020, a group of protesters holding signs saying justice for Harry gathered outside the RAF building. In a strongly worded statement released by the family, they vowed not to stop demonstrating until common sense prevailed and the US government agrees not to abuse their power. Like, this is bad. Between, like, US and UK relations are supposed to be slippery as a dolphin. Like, fine. And this is what I was going to talk about. Because you wanted to know my thoughts on this. Maybe I should wait till the end. On the 22nd of July 2020, it was reported that the UK and US governments had agreed to close the loophole in the law that provided immunity from criminal prosecution for family of the US staff, but not retrospectively. So Mm. from now on... It didn't matter. From Yeah, from now on, that rule is in place, but... Back yeah. then, it's murky. So, um, right. and the and they say the precise legal nature of those arrangements remains um, unexplained. So, um, okay. in December 2020, the Crown Prosecution Service, which is obviously the English side of things, announced that Sekulis was going to be charged with causing death by dangerous driving, and that it was starting an extradition process um, against her. And her lawyer said. Anne will not return voluntarily to the UK to face a potential jail sentence for what was a terrible but unintentional accident. Adding, the potential 14-year sentence was not proportionate. I'm sorry, but do you literally go in? I'm not coming back, it was an accident. Pretty bad accident. Like, Like, you still, you you broke a vase, you still have to pay for it. Like, even if it was an accident, it doesn't matter. Like, no. you still got to do your due time. Yeah. So the Dunn family later met with Home Secretary Pretty Patel, who is a fucking cunt, by the way. Um, just just a by the by. Um, and that like she is literally like if people are in the boat, if people are in boats, like trying to get here from France, then fucking let them die. Like that is literally her mm. opinion. She's a piece of shit. Yeah. Tory, um, obviously. And. So the their family spokesperson for the Duns said they were now incredibly reassured that this whole saga will be dealt with under the rule of law. So obviously a conversation that went on there made them think it's all going to get sorted. Mm. So in January 2021, the Home Office formally requested the extradition of Sekulis to fa- face our charges in the UK. And the US State Department's initial response was the use of an extradition treaty to attempt to return the spouse of a former diplomat by force would establish an extraordinary troubling precedent and that the request was wow. highly inappropriate. So that's Is a roundabout it though, way of it's saying not like no. this happens. It's not like this happens all in the, the time. It's like, not like it happened in the war. Like Right. <laughs> yeah. Um Wow. The Dunn family urged the UK government Oh no, wait, sorry. So the Mail on Sunday disclosed the, f- the following month that Anne Sekoulis was previously involved with espionage in the US CIA. What? 
what? So she was a spy with the CIA. And that's why she said it. Even though her husband wasn't and like never was in the CIA. So, um, but technically she was? Yeah. Supposedly. So Dunn's mother expressed her family's suspicions that the British government were not fully sharing their knowledge of Sekula's past role with them. So they were protecting her, not saying what she actually did. The Times speculated that the UK's Prime Minister would come under more pressure to meet the Dunn family. So the Dunn family urged the UK government to refuse the US government's extradition request of the WikiLeaks founder, Julian Assange, until they returned Mm -hmm. Sekoulis. So they were saying... Don't give them Julian Assange until we get Anne Skoulis. They Okay. So they accused the US government of hypocrisy and said that the US had launched an attack on the special relationship between both countries. Okay. So do you get what I mean? So the US yes, want I Julian do. Assange from us. And we're like... Yeah. Yeah. Give us um, Anne. So then in August, the Attorney General for England and Wales okay. was considering trying Skoulis in absentia on a charge of causing death by dangerous driving. Um, And the prospect of a virtual trial was an option being considered by the Attorney General. And that received support from the Prime Minister. So they were like, okay, we'll just do it over Skype. You don't actually have to come Mm -hmm. here. On 9th September, a lawsuit for wrongful death was filed against Anne Sekoulis and her husband in a Virginia federal court. The lawsuit alleges that Sekoulis did not notify the emergency services or the police after the accident. So it was somebody Mm -hmm. else. And then on the same day, the Dunn family wow. met with met with the director of public prosecutions after it was reported that Hill had concluded had concluded that Sekoulis did not have diplomatic immunity and she should not have been permitted to leave the country. However, mm. a High Court ruling on the twenty fourth of November, twenty twenty, concluded Sekoulis did have a diplomatic immunity at the time. So this is just an absolute shit show. Like everybody's like, yeah, yes, she was. No, she wasn't. Yes, she was. Um, right. So when she was asked why she didn't want to return to the UK, Sekoulis' lawyer told the court her fear is that with the tremendous media attention she will receive, she's concerned she will not receive fair treatment with the press and local community. She's fearful upon her return and concerned and and she's certainly apologetic and accepts full responsibility for causing the accident. Um, the pre- presiding judge Uh, replied accepting full responsibility doesn't mean you run away it means you stay there and face it and you shouldn't overplay the full responsibility card right exactly so on the 16th of february that same judge rules that the dunn's family would be able to sue to call us for damages on the 8th of August 2021, the Dunn family lawyer submitted documents to the US court alleging that Sekoulis may have been distracted by her phone at the time of the crash, stating that there were call mm. and text records for the day before and for the day after, but no call records for the day of the crash. Oh, Which means that she sketchy. had deleted them. Yeah. So it goes, this would suggest that either call and text messages were deleted or that she had used it the day before and the day afterwards, but hadn't used it the entire day of the crash. I mean, what mm-hmm. are the chances? Yeah. Um, so in this is the last bit. So in September 2021, the family spokesman announced that Dunn's parents had reached a resolution in their civil claim for damages and that the outcome was a real milestone. Details of the agreement reached between the parties involved have not been disclosed. And Saiga said that the family would now turn its attention to the criminal case and the long-awaited inquest into Harry's death, which will follow the criminal case. So they've been paid a shit ton. And mm. 
that's basically where it's ended. Yeah. So they're saying they're they're turning their attention to the criminal case, but that me- that still means that she will have to be extradited here, which I don't think is going to happen. I think they have literally been paid off to the point where they can't say no anymore. I mean, at least they got something. Sucks that I think they, they couldn't get justice, but I guess that's a form of justice at the end of it all. They've obviously been asked to sign like a non-disclosure agreement. Nobody knows how much money they were given. And they've obviously promised to like cease and desist. Mm. They've just gone quiet and mm. nobody's talking about it anymore. It's sad, but what are you going to do? I guess do? that also helps for you to, yeah, it helps for you to put it behind you a little bit too. If you're uh, like, okay, I, I guess, guess that's something. Th- I think the options are take the money because it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I think, you know, that's what um, there's certain cases like there's prisoners in um, Saudi Arabia and like there's prisoners in uh, where is it that that woman's being held and she's an English woman. I think it's Iraq or Mm. Saudi Arabia or something like that. But we're basically like there's nothing we can do. Like we can't make them give her up unless we start a war. Like, which we're not going to do, obviously. So frustrating. But, like, what a piece of shit that woman is. I know. Yeah. Take your fucking punishment. Take your punishment. If she hadn't have run, uh, I feel like she could have got away with, like, a fuck... Like, people kill people on in cars all the time. It was an accident, yes. If she had gone through a fair trial... And on top of all that, she didn't call... 999 or anything like that when it actually happened so what was her thinking then as well she knew that once she was on american soil she's fucking safe that's bad that's bad thinking though like if if it were you or not you or i and we're driving around and we hit someone immediately at least for me all of my concern would be towards that person making sure that person's okay like you know, calling whoever, and then it's not like, oh shit, how am I going to get out of this? It almost that's just like not how inter- a normal person thinks. It was like an international saga. I'm sure it would have been like a byline in a paper if she'd have just right taken her punishment. Yeah, and like I've had like one of my close, not close family members, but like a family member got run over, and the guy just got off with it. Because, like, really? they didn't have enough evidence. He got, like, mm. a suspended sentence or something of that nature. Yeah. I'm sure she would have just gotten, like, t- time served. I don't know. Like, any, she wouldn't, she right. really wouldn't have got 14 years. Right. Was, Crazy story. Much- I was going to say that my thinking about this, because you had asked how much of this was covered in American news. Yeah, did you see it? No, I think the the thing you had about trump having notes and someone taking a picture of his notes Mm. that was definitely in the news but i really think that when an american does something abroad and it's connected to the embassy or anything like that i think that they specifically don't report it out here because they don't want americans to look bad abroad Mm -hmm. basically yeah 
and the sketchiness of how Americans dealt with it, you know, the yeah. government and stuff like that. It just doesn't make us look good. So I even just Googled it just now and there's barely any That's crazy. American news stories about this situation. So there's crazy. a couple, but it's not like, you know, headliner news or anything. So it was um, so big. I, I think his parents really as well, his parents like yeah contacted every paper they made it everybody's business like they they right. put they made a holy fucking show of her and were like yeah this is yeah. disgusting that somebody can kill someone yeah. and just fuck off and nothing happens right. but like you say i think there's something um she has probably done some sketchy shit before in the cia and her mm. husband like what i don't know like they're obviously there's obviously some sort of like she's had a role that they don't want to talk about yeah oh she's just been working a, the fact that immediately shit. right just the fact she that immediately she was like out. i'm part of the cia i i should have immunity it's like no normal person or like a wife of somebody is going to be like Oh well, uh, you know my husband's a cop, so I should have immunity. Like, yeah, just the fact that she immediately thought of that is what just kind like, of reaction is that? Right? Has Do you know she done something she's... before where she's had to say that? Or she's called her Maybe. lawyer like on the sly instead of yes. calling. Uh, the... Oh yeah, she's, that's instead true. of calling nine nine nine, she's calling a lawyer immediately. Yeah, and be like, what the fuck can I do? Sketchy or the CIA. Bitch. Yeah. yeah, or the CIA, yeah. But yeah, that's, um, that's crazy that you didn't really hear that much about it because it was huge over here. Everybody knows who Harry wow. Dunn is. Yeah, and it only just, you know, the story just kind of ended in the past few months too. So yeah. I didn't hear anything about that. So They must be yeah, insanely wealthy now. Yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, leave it there. <laughs> We're never gonna know, are we? Because it's fucking. No. I hate that you never know how much money they got. I hate that. Uh, yeah. Just. I mean, me. I don't know what if it would ever like you know if it was like one million, you'd be like that's not a lot. If it was like twelve million, you'd be like okay. That's life changing money. Yes, and that's a little bit of a um justice, I guess. Not worth losing your beloved son over though. No, not at all. Like, how much can I pay you for you to just shut up about your son's death? Yeah. Everyone's got a number, I guess. Right. Okay, well, thanks for listening Okay, bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, I was going to say, it's Halloween week, so everyone be safe and have a great Halloween, and we will talk to you next week which is actually right now because we're about to record our next episode yeah okay bye oh bye (laughs) thanks for listening to transatlantic crime this week if you liked what you heard please rate review and subscribe and if you'd like to follow us on social media you can find us on twitter at transat crime pod instagram at transatlantic crime and on facebook with transatlantic crime podcast thanks bye